Tiso Pop, Season 4, Episode 3. Hello and welcome to TESOL Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about engaging parents in the learning process is teacher Melissa Miu. Melissa has taught in a wide range of settings over the course of 12 years, including public schools, international private schools, online platforms and online private classes. She has focused on creating impactful and enjoyable lessons for students to help meet their learning goals and provide them and their families with the tools they need for success in the class and beyond. Melissa, welcome to the show and thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. In today's episode, we're going to talk about engaging parents in students' learning. And of course, this episode is not just limited to parents, but extends to caregivers in a young learner or teen's life, no matter what their family setup may be at home. We're going to look at the important role a parent or caregiver can have on a student's learning journey and how we as teachers can support and sustain their involvement. So Melissa, why is today's topic important for teachers of young learners and teens to think about? Well, I think of feedback as one of the tools that we can have in our toolbox as teachers. When we give an overview or a summary of a class paired with a positive, perhaps something their student did really well in class, in addition to something they need to work on, that's giving them the tools that they might need to bring up a conversation with their student if they weren't in class and just ask, hey, how did it go? And it also helps keep parents in the loop in terms of their child's victories, a plan for progress, and perhaps upcoming classes. That's wonderful how you summarize that. It not only just opens opportunities for potential support and sitting down with a learner after class, Mm -hmm. but also keeping them up to date and informed. Absolutely. With that in mind, just giving parents the option, if they have the time, the confidence, to sit down and extend a topic with their child or just have the knowledge of what happened in class. I think that's super important. What should we bear in mind when starting a new school semester or a new course with a student or a group of students? As we walk into a new semester, perhaps working with a new group of students or a new topic, it's super important to think about the before, during, and after of your class. Perhaps before they have some preview items that they need to work on. During class, perhaps there's an expectation of what they should do or what they shouldn't do. And after class, perhaps there's homework that they need to turn in a certain way. These are all part of feedback. It's not just the pros and cons, the positives and negatives of their performance in class. I also think of this in terms of a rotation. For example, in one of my classes, we have a four-week rotation. Weeks one and three are a little bit lighter on the homework, and so parents know that. They don't need to expect an essay every class. Weeks two and four are a little bit heavier. Those are writing weeks. They're weeks that they might need to give a little bit more support to their child. And so I think it's very important for them to be aware and perhaps make some time in their schedule for this type of thing. That's the idea, making sure that they can anticipate what might come down the pipe in terms of work required or support required. You mentioned setting expectation with learners and their parents or caregivers. Can I ask how you do that? Like what means of communication or resources have helped you to convey the schedule and what type of work that's going to be coming the students way and what they may be mindful of at home. One of the tools that I use is Google Classroom. Google Classroom allows you to give announcements. It allows you to send personal messages. And so with that, after every class, I always leave a class announcement. So these are group classes. So everybody sees those. I encourage parents to be included on my class roster in there. That way they 
receive things passively, right? They don't have to actively turn in homework or anything, but it's the way for them to be aware of what's happening in their child's class. So they know next week is this. I also leave uh, material in the Google Classroom. You can put up syllabi, you can put up class expectations, you know, simple things. Please go to the restroom before you come to class. Please make sure you wear headphones. Please make sure you mute when your environment is a little bit noisy. Things like that that are just helpful reminders and things that parents may not think about if they are not actively involved in the class. Perhaps they're not sitting at their child's elbow, but they do need to know those things. There's a few things that come to mind when I'm thinking about adults that are obviously supporting these learners, and some of them may not have the language to interpret expectations, for example. And secondly, they may not have the digital literacy. And I wondered if there are things you've encountered when working with parents and caregivers and how you may have navigated that. Yes. Well, Google Translate is all of our best friend in the second language world. So many of them will just Google Translate my instructions, copy and paste in there. I do the same. Whenever I see an announcement or a comment in another language, I teach learners from a few different cultures. And so sometimes I get a message back in Korean or in Chinese and I I need to employ that tactic as well. And then the digital literacy part has been something I've encountered as well. How do we turn in a drawing, for example? Well, take a photo of it and then upload it. How do I upload it? There are a few different ways you can do that. Again, Google Translate is your best friend. Give very simple instructions there. Lay it out step by step and screenshots. Screenshots are just an invaluable tool when it comes to explaining something when there is a language barrier there. And so I think it's really important to kind of explore all the tools that you have and don't forget the visual tools as well. We've talked a bit about what to think about at the start to kind of set up that relationship and get that communication out to parents and caregivers. What about during a course? What can we do as teachers to build and sustain a relationship with parents and caregivers? It was unexpected to me at first, but part of this feedback is that it becomes a conversation. Many times parents will reply back and say, oh, thank you for this, or my child had so much fun with this, or they really struggled with this. And so this conversation leads to a relationship where you kind of start building this trust and this care with the family. And so I found that building over time this relationship leads to like a firm foundation. It allows you to figure out the attractive things for this family, what they like about your course, and it helps you modify. It's a little bit of, should we say, formative feedback for our own teacher selves as we're working with this family. It also kind of gives a little bit of stability to the conversation that you might need to have. Perhaps there needs to be a price change in their classes. Perhaps there needs to be a topic, um, behavior topic that needs to be addressed. It gives you firm footing there to bring that up in an environment where there's already trust. They can trust you. You're not doing it to be unkind or unprofessional. They've had this experience with you and they know what to expect. On a lighter note, I think it's also very exciting when you learn about families. One example I can think of is one of my students in China. His family loves art. They appreciate art. They buy art. They create art. And so I know that his family is going to see an assignment about art. Give me an artistic rendering of your dream home. 
And I'm thinking he's going to draw a house or something like that. And he gives me this detailed floor plan with furnishings and and animals and things like that. And I know his family is going to appreciate that. So kind of reading the room and knowing what families will enjoy and expect versus just kind of throwing things out there and seeing what happens. I would add as a parent whose children take online classes, I have four kids and three of them are of the age where they can take classes online. They're taking language classes and their teacher often gives feedback. She will send me files. I can print them or not print them. I can kind of figure out when I can review those things with them, connect them to real life. If I know they're learning about fruit or clothing, these are things that I can make the connections within our daily life. And so just being in the loop really helps. And it does build that relationship part as well. I love the fact that you mentioned getting to know your students and their setup so you can create those opportunities where people can get really excited about what the learner's studying, like the art example you gave. I was thinking also on the flip side for those activities or tasks where they may be less familiar with it or maybe it's a new way of learning or unfamiliar based on their own experiences. It could be quite important also to indicate the why behind things too, to kind of get that buy-in. Absolutely. And there are times where that same family has said, well, this is hard. (laughs) Why are we doing this vocabulary exercise? I think I had him read something and then take note of the words that he didn't understand, the vocabulary that was unknown. And she said, you know, he doesn't really enjoy that. And I said, no, and I don't either. I learned a second language, which I now speak fluently. And I to this day, dislike reading in Spanish because I just want to enjoy reading. Not everything is fun and exciting, but there are merits behind it. And expanding our vocabulary is something that as language learners, we do need to do. And there are different ways to do it. But with her feedback, I was able to kind of adjust and make those changes, but at the same time convey that this is an important part of their child's learning. At the start, we mentioned that this episode is relevant to all learners, no matter what their setup may be at home. Some students may have parents or caregivers who have time and are confident in engaging in learning activities. Other homes may have less free time or may need additional support to get that involvement. Do you have any tips on how we can differentiate how we get parents or caregivers involved? For lower at-home involvement, I would suggest a couple of things. I mentioned Google Classroom earlier. That is a tool that, again, is kind of passive. No adult is far from their phone or their email for any amount of time. And so having them just added to the class roster allows them to kind of passively check and see, oh, they've got this homework assignment so that they're in the loop. Another way to communicate would be using communication apps. For example, WhatsApp is a really common app and it's something that parents are very used to using. I, for a couple classes, create a group of parents and allow them to communicate with me, perhaps give a little comment in terms of topics that we're covering. I always try to keep it light in there as well. I'll put a GIF or a GIF in there for counting down five minutes till class, include the Zoom information, give a little feedback in terms of how each student did, celebrate publicly the successes of students, and then give a heads up of what's coming next week. And then one of my favorite things that I used to do as an in-person teacher in a classroom was the first day of school, have a postcard on each student's desk. They address it to their 
home address. Perhaps they don't live with their parents. Perhaps they live with a caregiver or someone else. This doesn't have to be a parent-centric thing. It can be a little bit more open and a little bit more inclusive here. And so they address a postcard. I wrap those up, keep them handy in my desk. And then when something noteworthy happens, pull one out, write a quick note and drop it in the post box on the way home. It's very low effort in terms of my work, but it has a huge impact in terms of students' feeling like their efforts have been seen. And it's very hard to miss a postcard coming in the mail these days, especially when personalized snail mail is so rare. Now, in terms of the higher at-home involvement, again, Google Classroom, I always use the class announcement feature to call out positive moments. For example, with one of the ed tech tools that I use called Nearpod. There's a game that we sometimes play to review. The champion is celebrated in class, but I always like to take it one step further and just put a little trophy emoji next to the student's name and say, hey, Andrew was our geography star today, our geography champion. Great job. Something very simple like that, but it gives parents a little bit of, yes, my kid is getting it. In addition, I often give feedback using email. And so again, that relationship is built perhaps through the email correspondence and providing personalized homework based on students' family dynamic. Perhaps they mentioned a camping trip coming up. Okay, great. We read this book about national parks. Instead of writing about the book, let's actually have you write a narrative about your camping trip. I can really personalize their homework assignments based on what I know about the family. Perhaps the family will get involved, perhaps not, but at least it's making that connection so that students can feel like their learning is connected to their real life. Finally, I like to attach screenshots to my feedback. Perhaps students have submitted something to me and in class, we are editing it, revising it together, and I've written some things on the screen. Therefore, I'll take a screenshot, attach that to the email, and parents can just see a little bit more of the progress that they're making or the weak spots. And they can hop in and go over that with their child if they have that experience. Um, And one fun final thing is uh, using Nearpod, using that tool that I mentioned before, I like to include virtual reality field trips. So perhaps a family is very interested in national parks in the U.S., for example. And so I'll choose three or four virtual reality field trips, just include them in a little student self-paced lesson and send that to the family and say, hey, you guys can log on whenever you want. It's just giving them extra to say, hey, we have five minutes. Let's sit down and talk about this. Hey, we have a half an hour as a family. Let's do this for fun. And just giving them the opportunity to take it farther if they want to. Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing your ideas. I feel really inspired and motivated to lean into these conversations with parents and caregivers. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you would like to keep up with Melissa, then you can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Melissa is Teaching, where she shares teaching best practices, practical tips and connections in the online teaching world. She also hosts a growing Facebook community titled Online Teacher EdTech Curriculum and Platform Support. As always, I'm going to hyperlink Melissa's name and add those links to her Facebook and Instagram as well on the website. Finally, if you have a question that you'd like us to answer, then you can contact us on Facebook, Instagram or the website tsopop.com. Mm-hmm.